Only two more spotlight episodes in this first section, and today we're going to talk about Tekuru. First, let's take a look at Dazai's sentence. Tensai no fuko, tono sama no fuko to yu guai ni kangaete kuru to, iyo iyo, boku no fuan ga zodai shite kuru. Tensai no fuko, tono sama no fuko to yu guai ni kangaete kuru to, iyo iyo, boku no fuan ga Thinking about matters like the unhappiness of a genius, the unhappiness of a lord, causes my worry to increase. Now we have two sets of examples for you here in this episode. Let's listen first to the first set, and of course, Japanese. It's been getting hot as of late, and everyone is looking a little exhausted. When consumed by work, Iguchi has this habit of picking up on a dime and disappearing off to nowhere. And the second set. The very moment I sat down, I felt abruptly overtaken by drowsiness. Whenever a good idea arises from within, I'm in the habit of jotting it down in my pocket notebook. So today we're talking about tekuru. And tekuru is a supporting verb. And you're familiar with these, right? They basically work in concert with the verb that precedes them. And what they do is they kind of help bring that preceding verb alive. They animate it, if you will. You're, Animation fans will, will no doubt dig this example, right? So they animate the verb before it with the spirit of their own nature. And you can really kind of see this at play throughout this lesson with Tekuru. So let's have a little bit more of a look. Now you may remember that some time ago we covered Teiku. Uh, that was episode 14 if you're going back through the archives. And there, Teiku, 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 that was one of the parts of the lesson there, right? You can say it either way. Um, but that part of, or that episode rather, was talking about how this uh, motion or movement is going away from the speaker, right? Progressing at a point, distancing itself from where the speaker is. Now today we're talking about tekuru, which is kind of counter to that idea, right? And with tekuru, you're talking about motion toward the speaker. As I'm sure you're aware, supporting verbs are everywhere in Japanese, and they're very, very important, right? Now, if you prop open a typical grammar textbook, you're going to see these everywhere, but they often lack, we find, a kind of nuanced explanation as to what's really happening and maybe why they're really important, right? And so the, the kind of big idea we want you to keep in mind with supporting verbs is that without them in many a sentence, the sentence just kind of falls flat. 
right? It's just feels unnatural and it presents uh, in Japanese this kind of a concept that's a bit abstract, right? It's either it's almost too basic a mention of the action at play to be meaningful in any real way. So it's really important to keep this in mind, right? We have an example for you that will illustrate this for you, but it's very, very, very critical point to keep in mind. And the other thing that we want to make you aware of or remind you of, surely, is that um, when we use these supporting verbs, we're kind of providing you with a viewpoint into the scene that's unfolding, right? So you're kind of, if you can consider yourself in a way, almost like elbow to elbow with the speaker or uh, right there with the writer as this scene plays out. Then you'll be thinking about things in the right fashion. Let's consider a few examples. It's fairly easy to see the difference here between these two sets of sentences, right? So the first set you have the kind of incorrect version, and in the second set the more uh, accurate way to write it uh, or say it, uh, the more correct version. And so when you're describing this horse galloping, what you want to do is you want to um, place the reader or the listener with you. You're providing a viewpoint for them, right? So you can see this horse, it's galloping away from you or it's galloping towards you. Without the supporting verb, you don't have that. You just have kind of horse running <laughs> indiscriminately somewhere. We don't, we don't really know. So you want to provide a certain sense of perception as to where this action is taking place, right? So uh, when we use teiku or teikuru, what we're doing effectively is kind of giving uh, human eyes to this scene. And it's really kind of important thing that we want to do for them. Without it, it, again, to repeat myself, falls flat. And we don't want to fall flat and talk about concepts. We want to talk about things that we want to see and things that are in motion and are exciting to the story, right? Japanese speakers wouldn't craft the sentence without that in there. When you help a reader or you help a listener with this picture painting that you're doing, you also provide, in addition to this like very literal viewpoint into the scene, you also provide a kind of sense feeling, right? And in Japanese, this is referred to as rinjokan. And it does place you like kind of in the scene, right? I said earlier something like uh, allows you to see through the eyes of the writer, I think. Um, it's elbow to elbow with the writer elbow to elbow with the speaker you get to see this action unfold and you get to feel how this action is right and this is a very important thing that you want to provide to your reader or your listener okay let's wrap this up so supporting verbs generally speaking have a kind of core meaning and then extending out from that core meaning like a river would extend and kind of go into different tributaries and different sorts of things like that, you're, you're going to run into nuance, right? So there's many different ways that this supporting verb can be used to help tell a story. 
So as we learned, Tekuru's core meaning is this idea of motion moving toward the speaker, right? And in addition to that, it tends to deal with time and space. Now, in Dazai's example, he uses it twice, and in both instances, he's using it in reference to time. Our four examples are the same. We're dealing with time in these examples. In Dazai's first use of Tekuru, he's talking about something that starts at some point and gradually changes. Okay? In the second instance, he's talking about something that manifests or that comes into being that didn't exist there before. Those are his two main uses. So in Dazai's first application of Tekuru, he's talking about thinking, right? So the thinking started at a certain point in time, and then the thinking over time has evolved into something slightly different. And in Dazai's second application of this, he's talking about the manifestation of worry, right? And then that big balloon of worry starting to kind of increase and become more serious. And so to put a lid on this, the four examples that we gave you before follow this same basic pattern, right? So the hotness starts and continues and changes and gets worse, basically. And in the second example, work starts to become all-consuming. Your hands are full with work, and it just keeps changing in that same direction, right? In uh, the last two examples, this, uh, this kind of second set, if you will, we were dealing with a manifestation of something, right? So uh, you sit down, and then suddenly this feeling of drowsiness overtakes you. In the last one, um, a good idea just pops into your head and it's damn good and you better write that sucker down right so that's that that's tekuru and uh that wraps up the teiku tekuru session i'm sure you're going to be marvelous at this if you're not already onward to the last episode of section one good job students good job <laughs>